Unlock the full potential with your business with Leadershipity. Our proven strategies have fueled growth for countless organizations. Ready to elevate your leadership and scale your success? Book your free 15-minute consultation now. Click the link in the show notes below and let's make your business soar. Hello and welcome to the Winner's Find Away Show. I am your host, Brent Clark, longtime serial entrepreneur, international speaker, and most people know me because I spent over 13 years in professional baseball coaching in three World Series. And today I welcome my good buddy, Andy Shirk, to the show. What's up, Andy? Hey, Trent. How's it going? Man, it's going better than it should. You know, good. like it's good. it's good. Excited about always Fridays, you know, do the show, get rolling, and it rolls us right into the weekend. So I All love right. that. Sounds so thrilled to have you aboard, man. I mean, Andy, definitely for those out listening for the first time, Winners Find a Way is a show all about the one percenters, people who come on, who have done some things in their life, been involved with a lot of different avenues, different experiences. But what most people recognize is that the 1% have gone through some things and they've gone through challenges and things they've had to overcome in their lifetime. And Andy, you're no different. I want to meet Andy Shirk a little bit here. He is a entrepreneur. He's from a significant family of entrepreneurs, having his grandfather who founded Beer Nuts, which I love, by the way. Thank and you. Uh, a lot of people know that brand. And you were the president of Beer Nuts for a long time. And being a member of the family, you family is spread through Illinois. I see the Shirk things on Illinois Wesleyan. And man, the Shirk name is just synonymous with entrepreneurship in central Illinois for sure. But of course, with Beer Nuts being a global brand, I don't know if everyone knows the Shirks are Beer Nuts, but that is a global brand. Yeah, we like to hide behind it and stay under the radar if we can. Yeah, that's that. It's well, you're doing a pretty good job. Minus, you know, maybe central Illinois where the Shirk family comes out pretty good. Like, it's, I don't know if you're hiding in, you know, the name on the uh, rec center of the Illinois Wesleyan is a pretty, pretty nice spot. And so, but for you, you know, you grew up in this entrepreneurial environment, Miami, Ohio kid, which is, you know, the Harvard and the Midwest, right? And so talk to us a little bit about the experience. Did you think like as a high school kid that this is going to be my life? Like, hey, man, I'm going to go build my grandfather's company, even even build it better? Or did you want to do your own thing? Or what were you thinking at that age as you headed off to university? I was thinking I'll never be back. So I, I actually went to boarding school for two years before I went to college. And I was thinking, you know, I'm, I'm interested in business. I want to go do something, but I don't think it'll be here. And I don't think it'll be slinging peanuts or selling peanuts. But yeah, so I was pretty set on a real estate career coming out of college, which, which I did pursue. But 2008 got the best of it as I was selling shopping centers and the uh, debt market dried up. But yeah, so growing up though, there was no expectation to join the family business and it wasn't talked about a ton, which I thought was, I think was great to a degree. But then as 2008 kind of rolled around, my dad said, Hey, why don't you come help me out? And so that's kind of when I, when I got back involved. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I think that obviously your business experience has been significant. You've been a YPO, Young Presidents Organization member for now over eight years, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, for people that don't know, the Young Presidents Organization is a organization of the top 2% in business. These are entrepreneurs who have created massive value. It's also presidents of companies, and they are leading these companies that definitely fall into the top 2% in annual revenue of all companies in North America and worldwide. worldwide. And so it is a unique group of just, you know, I would equate that, Andy, to a group that's very similar to the professional baseball group. When you've kind of arrived at that pinnacle of people that have created value 
or, or you're so excellent at something and leading mm -hmm. something. And then you get involved with a bunch of other people that are doing it. Now right. in baseball, we were doing it together as a team, right? It's right. these, it's these one percenters who are all very gifted. And now you've got to come together. In YPO, you don't have to come together, but the hyper learning is still there, right? You're all right. learning together. Like everyone has a vested interest in getting themselves and their organization better. Walk mm -hmm. me through some of the excellent experiences, learnings that you've had inside them. Yeah. So I'd say at the sort of national or industry level, I got heavily into the e-commerce side of it through peer learning events, which were being held all over the place. But that was really probably my my best exposure to date in, in just getting in a room with you know, 20 other people who were, some have figured it out, some haven't, and some are somewhere in between sharing ideas, sharing context, best practice, how to's, building business plans, things like that over the course of, you know, an afternoon or a day and a half. And then having, you know, speakers come in that were, you know, the leaders of the, the best companies to give us half an hour to an hour and, and let us know what's coming. So it's just a unique way to, to learn and from people who've done it, the people who are in it, and then have that group to, to bounce things off of going forward. So. Yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic organization, 30,000 plus members globally, nine to 10 trillion in revenue. So it's, it's, it's a big group, but it's, there's a, there's a certain characteristic where we all have a, a certain level of understanding of each other and people really get direct really quick on how can I help you, which is, which is fantastic. Yeah. I, I, man, when you talk about that 9 trillion, right, the impact that this organization is having globally yeah. is significant and while sizable. You know, oftentimes these are not the companies that are getting back political money, right. <laughs> you know, like this, right. this is still relatively small, mid-sized business. I mean, this is mm -hmm. middle market. A lot of times there yeah. are some billionaire companies, no doubt, mm -hmm. but that's not the standard, right? right. And right. so it, it's still individual focused. It's still chairmen's of the board. It's still very, and YPO is primarily still very active people running their businesses and companies. Right. So there's really not that chairman status. Until after 55, I think when people go to YPO Gold, what right. used to be called World Presidents Organization, and which is just a, a phenomenal transition group. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Yep. So this has always been done very well. And, you know, one of the things that to be successful in that environment, it's not easy. A uh, couple of things come to mind. One is, boy, the imposter syndrome is rough. Like, because, you know, just like pro sports, you think like, man, I'm pretty good. And then you watch someone go take BP and you're like, holy crap, you know, the ball's yep. never come off my bat like that in my life. Like. Who's right. this dude? And what is that about? Right. And so you're like, maybe I'm not worthy to be here. And you got to really watch that. Right. The yeah. Other, so I'd love, it, I'd, I'd love to speak to that first. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because, you know, walking into the room a lot of times, I'm always nervous. Like, what do I know? Who do I know? Like, what's, what's going to, what am I going to learn? And, and it doesn't take long until you're, you're comfortable and, and learning from the best and, and everybody in the room. So it's, it's, but there's always that sort of fear factor I have of, you know, am I, am I good enough? Am I qualified? And, and soon after, you know, the confidence is there and you're like, oh yeah, okay. I, I, I fit in here. And, uh, but every time I feel like I have to readdress that every time I walk into a YPO event or yeah, with YPOers. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think it's legitimate. And I think that as we talk about this in pro sports and everyone knows there's a little ego involved in pro mm -hmm. sports, right? Sure. Like, yes. I mean, people shows up, I could make an argument versus, you know, confidence versus arrogance. Sure. And I yep. think there's some legitimacy there. What I will say is when you do come together all together in a room and you see it at the all-star games and things like that, like everybody kind of checks their ego at the door. Like, yep. cause you recognize like there's always somebody better. I mean, I don't mm -hmm. care how good you are. There's right. always somebody better. And you know, this is one of the things I love about tennis, right? Mm -hmm. Like there is somebody ranked number one in the world, like <laughs> golf, you know, it's yeah. like, man, like, this is like, I'm a, 
Yeah. Like I'm, right. I'm, I'm the best player in the world this week today because yeah. next week, yeah. next week's not guaranteed. Right. And you know, and I think that that is probably one of the things I saw that was so powerful about the hyper learning environment, that, mm -hmm. that reset and that willingness to check the ego at the door. I'm going in there with a bunch of other world beaters and I'm just going to go learn as much as I can because, right. you know, why would I be judging whether, you know, they, they've got more sales than I do, whether they've got a, you know, a bigger building, you know, like, what is it? What, what are we comparing? Right. Like, it doesn't matter. We're all coming in the end to the same thing, which is really to better ourselves and, and yeah. to better our organizations for all these people that impact. Yeah. And to, to qualify for selling peanuts, you know, I come in pretty low. Right? So you gotta, you gotta sell a lot of peanuts to make a dollar, but, but the, yeah, there's just this, it's, it's something about the culture of the, the group that lend, lends itself and, and maybe the forum training to experience sharing and, and adding value first. And, and, and where I lack the confidence at times is, is can I, am, am I bringing anything to the table? And I, you know, typically almost always that I have something to help someone and, and I'm getting plenty in return. So it's awesome organization and plenty of great experiences and super valuable experiences are had as a result of it. Well, I think one of the things that probably you've been encouraged along the way as a very successful business person as a very successful company and president is you've been involved with a lot of philanthropy. And so people that have impact in this world find themselves like, hey, I can take my skills to other organizations and be a part of uh, your foundation is incredible. You guys have done just amazing work when inside the Shirk Family Foundation. And man, I, I think it's really admirable, but that's a whole nother set of skills right there of like, yeah. hey, how do we create value and, and sustainable value, right? Like right. not the, hey, we did something really awesome last year. Are you doing it again this year? Oh, I don't think we're going to have the money. <laughs> I thought this was going to be a program, right? Like, and, and I see a lot of organizations that don't do it well. Very good hearted, you know, definitely motivated, intentional in the right area, but, mm -hmm. but they don't have that business acumen to build something sustainable. Have you seen that? Yeah. You know, what that makes me think about is just in my experience of sort of hitting ceilings within the family business and really pushing outside of it to things we, we sort of talked about in preparation of just getting involved in the, the economic development council and city government and things like that, just to, cause I want to be, you know, I want to be a lifelong learner and, and I've seen where that fails. And so when people aren't lifelong learners, and so I'm just trying to always continue to grow my experiences and my understanding and, and my learning and constantly be challenging my position so that I'm not stuck and then yeah. become irrelevant. So yeah, it just sort of, I like to just continue to push and grow and, and, and get outside of just where I am and, and keep growing. So, yeah. Well, and, and you know, there's a trait folks that you're hearing right there. Like here's the 2% of the world, you know, the top 1% have always come out, and everyone talks about the same thing. And the fact, like I continue to learn, you know, mm -hmm. and I, and I can think about people who are like, oh my gosh. And I don't know if you knew friends like this who are like, oh my gosh, man, one semester to go. And I'm never opening a book again right. in my whole yeah. life, man. Yeah. College sucks. I'm done learning. <laughs> and you're like, you know, and I, and I think about like the technology kids, right? All, all the kids that are coming in and going, man, I'm, I'm starting my freshman year. Everything I learned in my first two years will probably be old right. and outdated by the time I graduate, which is mean I'll spend my whole first two years on the job learning something new because right. whatever I learned programming will probably be obsolete. Sounds like a broken system. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, like, I don't know how we're going to do this. Well, and I, this is probably my biggest challenge. And like I said, you went to a, a very difficult school to get into. Miami, Ohio is, is, is a really special place in Oxford, Ohio. I, I was just there recently for a hockey tournament for one of my children. And, and, it, and it's just a historic, you know, space of learning. And I am 
completely frustrated in our entire environment when we look at the learning and retention scope of how we learn. And our lowest level of retaining is lecture and watching something. Mm -hmm. And our entire university system is built on it, right? Like, why are we not out activity? Why aren't we getting out into these experiences and, and going out and teaching it to other people where we get all these levels of retention? Like, well, it's that's, crazy to me. That's what, that's what Miami's done well in going back. It's been 20 years since I graduated, but uh, 20 well, years ago. Sorry, I was dating you there, Renzo. Yeah. Sorry about that, bro. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, I mean. Feels like I yesterday. Know, yeah, it does. I had a entrepreneurship class and that got me into an entrepreneurship club. And then we, I ended up buying a business with a couple other guys from the club and having that hands-on experience for my sophomore, midway through my sophomore year, through my graduation when we sold it. So, you know, it's, it's a hands-on learning environment. And I think that's why it pumps out so many successful people, especially I think there's a like number three in fortune 500 CEOs is one of the facts that you hear in top 10 entrepreneurship program for decades now. And it's just, it's it's a good place and and it's under the radar a little bit, which is which is awesome. But besides being yeah. a good place and good education and good social atmosphere, it's a yeah. beautiful campus too. So yeah. yeah, it really is special. I mean, when you're on campus, it definitely feels unique. And obviously the success is clear because a lot of people have given back to the yep. university about their experience. And, you know, and I, th- I think that's so powerful, right? As you talk about like, man, I got an entrepreneur and we got in involved, involved buying a business. Like if I think about that time, like I don't recall a bunch of the X's and O's and testing of my classes. But at that age, I remember everything that was going on in my businesses, man. Like at 20 years old, I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to sell this thing. Or I was like, I'm not going to be able to like pay the rent on this way. <laughs> like there was pressure and there was all these things. And I'm like, oh, in the class, whatever, that's easy, man. Like, right. And so my learnings were really coming from that, that those environments. And which is why, you know, it's, it's the one thing I love about, you know, college athletics and I, NIL now that the kids can actually be an entrepreneur and go make mm-hmm. money on their name, image, right. and likeness. Like the value of those skills that those kids are going to learn are far outweigh whatever they get in their practices, whatever yep. they get in their classes. They're going to walk away, especially the kids who put their time and effort into it. Like yeah. I, I just what see you kids mistake too. What a good realm to let's, let's learn the yeah. business and also sort of mess up and and have yeah. some lifelong lessons before you're. Yeah have any dependence or some real yeah. requirements for your capital. So, yeah, well, let's speak about dependence. You know, you got a wife now, you got four children, four lovely little girls, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. All under the age of 11. Yep. 11, nine, almost seven and almost three. COVID surprised. Trying to stay busy. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Trying oh, yeah. to stay busy, man. Uh, you know, like, the shirts, like, you know, we were a little bored at home. So the shirts yeah. were just like, you know, hey, we got to keep it, <laughs> keep it busy around here. So always been in Bloomington? No. So... Went away to Pennsylvania for boarding school after 10th grade at the Mercersburg Academy. After that, mm-hmm. Miami, so Oxford, Ohio. Then I made it back here for a week before I moved to Chicago. After graduation, got commercial real estate, was doing that for about four years. And then stayed in Chicago, but muted down for about three years until we got married in 2011. And then we moved shortly thereafter. So as I was getting deeper and deeper into beer nuts, but Yep. But yeah, so a lifer, but I got away for, I think it was a total of like 13 years, but, but now I feel like to a degree, I never left. But is that a tagline? Get deeper and deeper into beer nuts. Is that is that like a is that like a tagline? Because like, you know, not, if not. it's not, it should be. Yeah, right. Yeah, there's there's some good ones there. Yeah. yeah, it's such a unique, iconic brand, and it's funny, man. Like, I I don't know what people think, but you know, almost almost every one of my friends who would know that brand immediately by the label, 
by the flavor, like everything, like people know, and it's, it's not egregious, right? It's not, it's just not out there all the time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you go to a restaurant, you go to bars. Now for me, you know, I spent a lot of my life in pro sports, right? So mm-hmm. that means yeah. you go to what's open at 1130 midnight to go get food, <laughs> right? right. I, I got to go to a bar, right? Yeah. So maybe I know beer nuts because of that. But most of my r- circles have been in there and it's a real brand that stood, stood time. And it's really cool. I'm sure fun to be a part of. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a good run. There's a whole story why I'm not there anymore, but that'll happily share. But yeah, it was, it's a fun, it's a fun brand and it's a fun product. And I think, you know, there's a ton of opportunity for it going forward. It's like 71 years old this year. So, but you know, it's, there's plenty of family business dynamics, I think holding back the opportunity. So, but yeah. Man, you've wrangled up all these experiences, real estate, this family business, you know, you've been a president, you've been a founder, you've been all sorts of different roles. Now you're pivoting into the coaching role, which I love, by the way, obviously as a coach, I love that. Like I love people who want to give back and go, man, I've got all these learnings and I can walk these executive teams into building better teams. You know, my book Mm -hmm. is leading winning teams. Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's what we're trying to do, right? Is really get the right players and and get them in the right seats. So, but then even when you do that, what I found, Andy, is that nobody went to college for leadership and no one went to college for coaching. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden it's like, are you going to run this organization? We really need to see these leadership behaviors and you got to coach a lot of people. Yeah. It's going to take a lot of time. Yeah. And then it's during the headlights. Like, I don't know if I have those skills and some what, of those are innate, right? do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know if I love that. Like, do I want to really be coaching? Like, right. I can't even coach myself up right now. Like, so do <laughs> I should I be coaching other people? So tell me how your road kind of traversed into this and you know how you feel about it. Are you loving it? Like, tell me a little bit about you and your stance in it. Yeah. So the short story on on getting here is so I left Beer Nuts because family business, father wouldn't sell it. After a gave evaluation, I offered what he asked for and he said no. So that was a, unfortunately, a five-year process. But in that time, I, I got to know a guy named Todd Smart who helped us implement EOS at Beer Nuts. And as I told him, hey, I'm leaving on a call. And he said, hey, we're, we're launching this coaching practice. I'd love for you to consider it. And so so I kind of went through the application process and got accepted and went to the first training and I'm off and running. So I, I remember back to when I first discovered an operating system for the business and and how much I had struggled in trying to figure out how do we make things happen quicker and faster. I'm not very good at holding people accountable. How do we do that better? And once I found that, I, if I wasn't going to implement it I, at that point, five years ago, I was probably going to help others. And thankfully, we implemented it and had that experience, which has been incredible and, and, and made me a better coach of it now. And so, so I'm coaching in the, the Bloom growth system, and it's a, it's a ton of fun to help these teams that you see doing well and doing great, but like knowing that there's a better way or a more efficient way to, to grow their business and grow their people and, and, and grow their, grow as an individual. And so it's, 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 it's just a blast helping them make those steps and and watch their business grow and watch them achieve the goals that they wanted faster than they, they expected. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a ton of fun. It's great for, great for my clients and having fun building the practice. So. I love it, man. This is and this is where you and my paths really cross, right? I'm also obviously a friend of Todd Smarts. He and I go back about I don't know, like maybe 12 years now. And and Todd was really sharp, really loved the way he was developing his coaching business himself, mm-hmm. and a really thoughtful entrepreneur. And so, like minded, you know, as I was coaching, I'm like, man, you know, once the operating systems I've put into my businesses have been functional. 
the businesses really need me a lot less, right? Right. And I'm yeah. like, man, this is like, I love these repeatable systems. So I was starting to overlay these business systems that I was investing in. So I'm like, hey, I'll only invest in your brand and your group if we if we overlay this system because it gives me visibility yep. on what's happening, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so I can I can decipher exactly based on that data that we're pulling from the software from Bloom, which is so important. Yep. Walk me through, and, and I love this from your coaching perspective. Like I, I think, admittedly, what you just said was, "Hey, man, I didn't." I wasn't a coach, man. Like all this accountability right. and all that. Like, hey, I, I, am I doing that well? Could I be doing that better? And so, when you when you overlay that operating system, what happens at Beer Nuts in that time for you? Like, like what did you see the significant differences of where you guys were? Because you knew where you wanted to go. You mm-hmm. were like, hey, I'm making an offer. I want to take this thing to the next level. You hire a coach because the best in the world have a coach. Yep. You hire Todd, who's a really good one. He's, he's yep. built a lot of EBITDA for a lot mm-hmm. of companies. He's helped yep. them scale up. And so we've done that now a lot ourselves. What happened at Beer Nuts? What was the influence of you making those moves? Like from, from the moment you started for like the next 36 months, what happened? That's, good. That's a good time frame because I think it was about 36 months where we got a lot of the right people in the right seats and just really saw the the progress we're making internally accelerate. I will mention we we did have a an ownership pushback, which sort of as we were off and running and and going and had all this everything lining up and for a transition in ownership, when ownership said no, it sort of really pushed out a lot of people because they were growing so fast and that growth kind of stopped. And thankfully they went on to do great things at other places. But they but yeah, but to that point, like we were we were everybody was getting aligned. And if you weren't, you were finding other opportunities and, and we were bringing in good people and we were finding tools to help us identify good people. And, and everybody, the culture was strong and people were happy and, and things were going well and it had it trickled down to the bottom line, which was great. So yeah, things just start going faster. And after 10 years yeah. of feeling like I was, you know, going slow and just frustrated with a ton of things, all of a sudden I was like, we can fly and I can see us yeah. get to our, 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 our big goal pretty quick. So yeah. And and when you see that, because yeah, because you say truck trickle down productivity. When I yeah. work with groups, there's no trickling, man. There is like, like you said, I'm seeing major, major changes in the culture. Mm-hmm. I, I see the creation of winning teams, which is a big deal, mm-hmm. you know, because everyone tells me they have a great team, which is yeah, total right. lies, right? Like we can't all have a great team. And, and so they've already accomplished. They don't have it for the, yeah. for what they want to accomplish. That's right. That's yeah. right. So when you have a great team and you have a winning team, the culture's there because everyone feels a part of it. They feel like Mm -hmm. they're contributing to that productivity, which of course, in my world, like it's, it's, it's like the gas meter in the, in in the winter, man, that thing just starts turning and you're like going, whoa, man, we are really starting to cook with Crisco here, bro. Like this thing's really coming on. And the fun thing is, is like, we got the tiger by the tail. We got to manage this thing now, right? Yep. And so there's always challenges in growth, but yep. it's good challenge. What I will say, I'd like you to speak to is talk to me about the culture because as we know, fast growth is stressful. Yep. It's challenging. There are casualties, mm-hmm. and but but people love the demand. They mm-hmm. love being challenged. They love being a part of, a winning organization, even though it's a hard mm-hmm. and B, not everybody can make it. Right. And yeah. 
I'd say it's so, not for so everybody. It's not. I, yeah, it, but I think a winning company that's growing attracts better people, you know, out of out of who's available. You, it, it's easier to pull good talent from somewhere else when you're you've got a clear path and and you're showing your your progress and people say I want to be on that you know I want to be on that bus or I want to be on that train to 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 go to the next level. So uh, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and I think it's palpable. I think it's- what, what, yeah, one thing you made me think of was you know what else happened in that time frame of those thirty six months is that all of a sudden my responsibilities I, I in the thirty six months I moved from the sort of integrator role to a visionary role. And all of a sudden I could spend more time coaching within the organization and yep. really helping specific problems that I'd sort of been addressing from afar. I could get into it because I, I freed up my time and that's where my time was best spent and, and, and where I enjoyed it the most. And so I was able to get into really having fun in the business. So, yeah. Well, I, I think it's so, it's so interesting because like you, when you talk about recruiting, when you go into a, and I'm, I'm going to use the sports analogy, right? When yep. you go into an Alabama or yeah. when I was at Michigan State with a Nick Saban, man, when when the recruits came in, it was red carpet, right? Like, <laughs> check this place out. And, you know, Michigan State is an unbelievable campus. Yep. Now they've got all these, you know, facilities to help the athletes get to that next level. We And yep. we're showcasing the, the strength and conditioning, the study labs, the technology available to you, the tutoring. And then the training that we're offering you, video, all these things, because if you want to play at the next level, the opportunity's here. And you're also meeting Big Ten champions. You're meeting people right. that carry themselves in a different way, which is a very different feel when you walk on the last place team in the MAC and everyone's like, yeah, I don't know. I signed here a few years ago. I don't know if I'm going to play this year or not. You know, right. like, you know, it's kind of like not the same. Like, but, but it, but the culture is palpable, right? Like you yep. can feel, and if you're that person who's like, wow, like look at this person and you see people walking around and going, wow, I, I've never even seen a person who looks like that. Like that is special. And, mm-hmm. and, and you start seeing the way the, the championship banners hung in the rafters right. and out on, and the sponsors that are involved in the teams that say, Hey, I want to be attached to a winner. And you're like going, man, this is an environment I want to be a part of. Talk to me about the palpable difference of when you come into a, to, and, and I'm not downplaying beer nuts, by the way, it's yeah, a great yeah. organization, but like, this is now when you come in at like whatever, 60 years into the business. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and then you do a turnaround over eight years of like, we're going to change the way we grow and develop this thing. Because in all reality, beer nuts could be four X of what it is right now. And, and you're kind of driving for that. Like, I'm going to make a purchase, build it up, create even greater value in this. and so. As you start seeing this after 36 months, tell me about where the, tell me, tell me the discrepancy, the gap, right? Show me the gap between when you come in mm-hmm. to the old, to the old guard. And I'm not, I'm not knocking that, right? I'm just, it's just a, yep. the way things were done to like, Hey, I got to take this thing up to this next level. And you do that and, and how that felt eight years later. Yeah. And so from when I came in to eight years later, I was just, I'm thinking there was, it seemed like triage the first three years or four years and just sort of putting out fires and, and, you know, and, 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 you know, stabilizing the company so that we could grow. And then, but after I'd say eight years, about eight years, I was, I was hitting ceilings everywhere with ownership saying, you know, we don't want to do that or this. And, and I'm thinking, why not? This is going to, you know, help grow the business, help the bottom line, but there just wasn't an appetite for investment in the business. And so that's when I sort of got super frustrated and got to the, all right, let's, let's go and try in an operating system. And, 
And then all of a sudden the, that eight years is like, wow, I wish I had this eight years ago because we yeah. could be way ahead of where we are today. So just yeah, the, like, I, like I, I'm a growth guy, man. Like if you didn't have, if you didn't have the growth, you were going to be like, Hey man, like if I don't have the growth, I don't know what I'm doing here. Like, right. Yeah, because I mean, that's what, like, that's what your bailiwick was. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I was, you know, I thought I was decent at fixing what, what our problems were, but my ambition was dramatic. I wanted the company to be what, what I say everybody thought it was already. And so, and so I was, I was heading that direction and they're just in the end, wasn't an appetite for it. And um, yeah, that's discouraging, right? That's discouraging. So, yeah, but, but I think this is, this is so, let me describe that. And and I just want to see if you agree with that. You spent a third, our first three years. And for people that are out there with an organization, I want you to listen hard on this because playing the game from a reactive standpoint is what I call being a fireman. Or, you know, yep. you're, you're going to play the game of like, hey, every morning I'm going to wake up, I'm going to slide down the pole, you know, the alarms are going to go off, I'm going to throw the boots on, we're going to get in the truck, and I'm going to fire up that hose, man, we're going to spread some water and put right. out some stuff, right? And, and, and it's a reactive. To, to now fast forward eight years, you're making a purchase, and you have a proactive environment. You've moved into a visionary role, like, we're actually seeing what's coming next. Mm-hmm. I know what's coming. And I've got the people who are actually planning it. So yep. my fires are different fires. I still have them, but, but you know, there are no five alarmers anymore. No, these are yeah, just, they- like, these are now choices of like, Hey, do we want to take on that? Because, you know, a fire at a camp sounds really good. Let's get some marshmallows. I like that kind of fire, you know, like right, let's, right. let's light some stuff up and, you know, let's, let's get some s'mores going because this thing could be a lot of fun and, and let's, let's light this thing. Yeah. As opposed to let's let's light the boiler and heat this place up. Those are good fires to have. But man, when yeah, you know the kitchen's got a grease fire going and you're like going, man, this thing whole thing could go up in flames on a gas line here. Right. Like, right. No fun. Yeah, it's it was really it's you know going from defense to offense. And that's that that was that I wanted to be on offense. And and yeah. the, the business had been on defense probably since nineteen eighty when there was a big drought. So the peanut crop, but, and that's what we did. We got on offense and we started growing. And so, yeah, it's, yeah, def- you need to have defense, but, but I want to, I want to be, a, I want to be the striker. I want to be on offense. I want to be uh, pushing things forward and, and I want my team to really be um, supporting it and doing the things I don't do well to, to, to enable that success. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I appreciate that. What let's dive into one of those challenges you face. You face a lot of challenges in business. I mean, obviously, this is a significant one. I mean, get get into a position discouraged. You know, you know, for a lot of folks are facing tough things right now, right? And what would you what what first of all, what would be a story, you know, one of the things you're most proud of that you've overcome in your life? You know, a significant challenge that you faced and thought like, man, this is epitome of winners when shown data that they are losing find a way to win because hey man it's 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 simple but it's not always easy right yeah. and so we run up against these things and we're like man this is this is not going i've been down the road on a couple of things and i'm like hey we'll go under that didn't work we'll go over not getting over it we'll go around right. it you know like and so you keep trying to figure that out right yeah. of like hey how am i gonna do it walk me through one of those examples in your life Andy. Yeah, that's, that's tough. I, so I, I talk about this every once in a while and I actually talked about it this week and, and how one of the bizarre cultural issues we had with ownership was that I couldn't really celebrate victories because they'd be challenged pretty heavily. So, so it, it takes me a minute to sort of dig back and think, you know, where, where were those? But I, I can, I can 
you know, starting colleges, we're selling water, a, a water company. And everyone's like, no, you can't do it. It was failing. We bought it and me and two other guys, three other guys turned it around. And all of a sudden we've got more beer money than we ever thought we'd need. And so, you know, that was, that was awesome. And we we're excited. We we're covering all kinds of costs that we otherwise didn't think we could. And where I was a sophomore, junior, senior in college, it was, it was awesome. So so walk me through this for a second. You're you're yeah. buying a failing water company. Is this bottled water? Like you're doing yeah, delivery, like, like, a, yeah, like five gallon corporate delivery. Yep. Yeah. Um, yep. And so it was, you're going to buy the system that's 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 currently, pardon the pun, underwater. Under yeah, right. <laughs> and, yeah. yeah. And so you're buying at a discount, and you're like, yeah. hey man, we gotta we gotta fill we gotta fix the systems and actually create the right clientele. You gotta do yep. some things. Well, and and there's three of you. So do you yeah. divide and conquer? Right. How do you overcome? How do you overcome it? Yeah, it was, it was interesting. We, you know, we, you start with what's working and keep doing that and, and then really get organized is, is what we, what we did. And so we really didn't have to buy it. We more or less acquired what, what was there and then just spent a lot of time getting our plan straight. And so we were, you know, finding the right customers and adding customers and, and growing sales. Thankfully, we had a good sales guy who was fearless. And, and then it was, all right, what's our, you know, building out processes for delivery. And at that point, it was a lot of paperwork. And so how do we, how do we manage everything and ensure that, our customers are getting the service they they deserve because water is water in the end. So yeah, it was it was some of those steps, and then in the back end, it was the accounting, it was it was the legal, and and yeah. trying to navigate that part, taxes, and you name it. But but yeah, we all sort no. of kind of wandered through that together and screwed up a bunch of stuff. But in, in the end, it was it was generally went pretty well, and I had had a great great experience with it. So so let's talk to the folks about that. Like you. you're the, the business is losing. You're going to lose. You've acquired it. Great. There's not a huge downside because like, right. Hey, we just acquired it. Like it didn't cost us way out of pocket, yeah. but you want to build a winner right now. Did the three of you all do that? Did you source talent to take everything? Did you guys want to do the paperwork or did you find people that could actually do it and outsource it? Yeah. In that case, we did most of it. We outsourced the legal and accounting, but yeah, it was, it was, it's Learning not how I do it now. But yeah, it's I'm I'm all about who, not how, and finding the expert that loves doing everything and and always delegating that. So, but yeah, in that case, it was it was our time, our sweat equity, literally, just to to get things going. So, yeah, yeah. You just mentioned Dan Sullivan got a good mm -hmm. book out there called Who Not How, right? Yep. Yeah. So so walk us through that. Like you said, that's a, that's a mantra of yours. Who <laughs> not how? Why is that? And that's by the way, funny because in my forum this week. As an entrepreneur organization member, one of our fellow members mentioned like, man, this is a great book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, I got to check it out. Right. Yeah. So walk me through that statement. Who, not how. What does that mean to you? Yeah. So, so I'm a strategic coach client just starting my third year. But yeah, it's it's find the expert or find the person who likes doing the task or the process and and put them in that seat. And, and from a, a leadership perspective. You know, I always thought, how much can I delegate to people that, that really want to do this? And, and my personal desire is always to be doing something new. And so get in there, figure it out, pass it off or get in there, figure out what we need to do it and pass it off. But it's, it's, it's finding the pros and, and always building a better team than what you have, as we sort of talked about earlier. But like I actually was talking with someone yesterday and they said, well, we've got this chance to bring in someone great, but they're a lot more expensive. And I'm not sure there's an appetite for that on the leadership team. I said, look, you can stay where you are. You'll be what you are. Or if you want to make these jumps, you got to start playing with bigger players. So just, you got to decide what you want to do. And so it's, it's finding the people who know how to get you to the next, get, get what you need done or get you to the next level. If that's what you need to get done and, and, and investing in them because sometimes it's hard to show an ROI up front, but yeah, but usually they should in six to 12 months. So 
Yeah, I, I've seen different stats on this, but you know, when you, when you talk about who, not how, I had a great show probably last year, early last year with a young man who talked about just hiring the best, right? And he was talking yeah. about the fact that a top performer will outperform their peers four to eight times. Yeah. I'm like, man, you know, like, listen, if somebody costs you $100,000 in that position and you hire the best, they're going to cost you like 125. Like, it's not going right. to be like, oh, I got to pay them $350, but 350 grand. But, but here's the reality. If the hundred thousand person is is responsible for bringing in a and a gross of a million dollars, right? They're going to outperform them four to eight. They're yeah. going to pay one twenty five for someone who's going to bring four to eight million dollars of value. Like, think about that number, yep. man. Because yep. that's what we're talking about. The who is mm -hmm. this? Will these are game changing folks who make a difference in environments that are just uncanny. Well, and, I, I even think like to the the simple level and uh, and having an admin. To cover planning and scheduling, you know, the basics. So, so I can spend my time doing, you know, working yeah. with leadership teams. That's, that's, you know, that's most efficient. I'm, I'm without one now and I'm, I'm struggling because I'm not as my outputs yep. significantly impacted, but yeah, it's, it's in all kinds of roles. I even, I, I use it at home and, you know, why am I doing this in the yard when I, sh who's the who, who should manage the whole yard? Yep. And I, I think who's the who, who should manage the whole house? So I don't have to pick up a screwdriver. Not that I don't mind doing that, but I'd rather not. So. Well, it's often not the best use of our time, right? right yeah. And that's not to say like, oh, you can't pick up a screwdriver and do something. No, like I right. can do it. And yeah. if it, and if it's going to take 10 minutes, this is well worth our time. We don't I mean, need to call somebody. I do it, not proactive. I want someone else being proactive about it. So. Yeah, and that's a good point. We're right back to loss of value, right? Loss mm -hmm. of value, loss of time, loss of energy because of that. Man, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. If, if Andy, last question, if you, yeah. you know, if you had, well, maybe, maybe the last question. <laughs> if you had, if you had, to tell somebody right now who's going through some challenges, man, like this is a tough time. Like they're not mm -hmm. finding their place. They're not finding the team they want to be on. They're stuck in an organization that maybe they got the wrong players. What do you tell somebody that's down right now? What, what do you tell them to get back on track? Is there something that you think would be formidable? From my experience, I'd say make a change sooner rather than later. I waited too long to, to make a change when I was in that sort of in framework or uh, mental headspace. But also make, make changes, keep going, make changes. It's not, don't settle and continue to look for, for more opportunities because there's tons out there, but at times I've been blinded to it. I don't know how or why, but once I, I sort of got out of my, my line of thinking, all of a sudden it was, oh man, there's, there's so many opportunities. I got to really focus on, on, on what I want to do and of these. So it's, yeah, I think you, you got to really maybe rip the bandaid or make a big change to, to get yourself out of a, a, a bad situation or not a good situation so that you can find the right one. And I say the same thing when it's, when, when, when coaching leadership teams into, you know, you got to move people along, you don't like firing anyone, but they're going to be better off somewhere else. Might not be the first step or the second step. And there will be, there'll be challenged in the transition, but in the end, they'll be better off. And so you, yeah, don't feel like you have to stick with people because people generally don't change that much, but if they're not working, find, find a, a, another role or help them be happier by finding another role for them outside of your company. Yeah. Yeah, I think, that, I think that's huge. I, I think the other side of that that's so important is when you talk about that, it's about taking action, right? Do something. I think yeah. the, when you say, you know, and I like this, when you, when you say, you know, make a change, you know, I think it's okay to make a change and have it not be the perfect change. Right. Like you took an action and found out maybe it wasn't perfect and you didn't do it. It's not permanent, man. Like right. you made a change, you can make another change. And right. I think this is one of the problems I run into when I work with leadership teams. 
they're they're fearful about making a decision. And I'm like, hey man, we can test this thing for 90 days. And if it doesn't, we can go back to X or we could take, you know, Teresa's idea for Y because you know, we're not, we don't think that's the best position today. But maybe after 90 days, it looks a little different. And Teresa's right on, even though the, the majority doesn't agree with it today. Let's take an action, make that change in the process. And, and we'll, and we'll just, you know, proof test that process for a while. Mm-hmm. And if it's not it, it's not it. We could be okay. And I know? think you go back to the point of, you know, having a good plan. And so that's, that's, that, I think that was my other challenges. I didn't have my plan aligned with my future of acquiring beer nuts and, and going from there when that wasn't an option anymore. I had to make new plans and all of a sudden my plans got bigger and better. And I was like, man, I don't, I don't even want anything to do with that place anymore. Like I can do more yeah. and in more in my strike zone of what I like to do and what I'm good at and, and achieve even greater goals than, than I, I would have had I stayed on that track or had that track turned out how I thought it was supposed to. So yeah, just make sure you have a, a clear plan on what you want and then you can work backwards from there. So love that. That's yeah. a great, that's a great, great advice. Last thing, if, you know, in times of challenge, in times of like, man, this, you know, you're, you're discouraged, you know, you got to pivot, you got to do something different during that dark time of frustration. And I hear it from you. Like, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's in your voice of like, Hey man, I, I had this vision. I thought this is how it's going to be. And it didn't turn out how you thought it would go. Like I get right. it. Yep. And so, but that's, but that's, you know, that's the easy thing to say out loud. You got to go home every night and go, what the heck, man? Like, right. this isn't how it's supposed to be. And, right. and your wife's yeah, like going, hey, so how's this going to work? And you're like, well, I don't know. <laughs> right. And so yeah. is there something you go to? Is there something like you read? Is there something that can level you out that gets you kind of back into like, hey, man, I, I, I know where I'm supposed to go. The best thing I always say is exercise. I mean, mm-hmm. going for a run. Yep. I think about my worst moments and like I'm frustrated and don't know what's next. Go for a run. Go for a long run, go slow, but just like, you know, work your frustration out or whatever, whatever exercise you need to do, but just do it and do a lot of it to sort of wear yourself out and, and, and sort of reset after that. And then it's, yeah, then, then for me, it's, it's make a plan and set a new goal and, and, and don't make it complex and start working towards that one. And on the way there, you're going to, you're going to reassess everything, but get down to the basics and, and set one goal and, and yep. And go from there because there's, I love that. You know, a lot of other stuff that can interfere with it all the time. So, yep. Let's keep it simple, folks. Don't try to recreate the wheel. And I love, you know, one of the things like here, here I'm talking to Annie Shirk, one of the best coaches in the country, and he talks about hiring a coach, right? Like, yep. hey, the best in the world have a coach, gang. Like, yep. get out and get people who do all sorts of things for you. They will motivate you, they will hold you accountable, they will stress test all sorts of visions, all sorts of thoughts, all sorts of plans with you. And it'll narrow your simplicity so much. It'll help you prioritize unbelievably. If you're not sure, give Andy Shirk a call. I'm telling you, (laughs) it'll happen. So (laughs) yeah. So for everybody out there, thank you for joining us on another great and fabulous Winners on the Way show to my special guest, Andy Shirk. Thank you so much, Andy, for joining me. So awesome to actually spend some time and really learned a lot today and thankful for the time. For everybody else, Winners Find a Way every Friday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern and 9.30 a.m. Pacific. Join us then on Leadership at YouTube channel, LinkedIn Live, Facebook Live, and you can always find our podcasts on all networks. Organizations come to me all the time with challenges of execution and communication with their teams. We help build a system through Bloom Growth and software 
that gives them simplification and prioritization. I teach, facilitate, and coach these organizations to literally double their value. If you're interested in gaining your individual and organizational growth, please email me at trent at leadershipity.com or click the link below and book a 15-minute call on my calendar.